Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's episode is a little bit different from our normal formatting, as we will be talking to an anonymous guest. Um, I'm very, very like lucky to be having this conversation with somebody who is willing to share not only their story, but willing to share and talk about stories more broadly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit today about arts safety. A lot of the time when we as artists across the, especially across the independent sector, we aren't like Hollywood, we're not like Broadway. We don't have a union that we can just casually turn to and go like, hey, I've got this query about it. We don't have a contract somewhere with some big ominous being that tells us that we are owed certain wages, that we're owed certain standards or that we're owed honestly anything. And a lot of the time we just have to make up our terms and conditions as we go. Uh, So I have been wanting to delve into this topic a bit more broadly for quite some time. And today I will be talking with my first guest uh, who uses she, her pronouns uh, throughout this conversation. And we're just going to have a little open discussion about arts and arts safety. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm very (laughs) excited for this conversation. A little nervous because I think that we're treading in like some very Mm. interesting waters. Uh, But I definitely am so in debt to you and very feel very lucky and very privileged to be talking to you today and having somebody who is like open to having this chat with me feel very, very good about that. Um, let's start off a little bit by just the concept of art safety mm-hmm. broadly. Um, mm-hmm. What does that concept mean to you? Um, well, firstly, I also want to say I'm very grateful that you would um, give me this platform uh, to speak about it, about my experience. And um, I know that I am only one voice in a big, big space totally. with lots of different perspectives. Yeah. So um, I don't want to um, appear like I am attempting to encompass everyone's experience or be the you know the final say of what is and isn't safety um because I think one of the things that I've really realized uh whilst unpacking some of my experiences is that I think often we don't really consider what safety is and Mm. how we define that it is different for everyone I I um you know everyone has different needs I have things that are specific to me that might not be anything relevant for someone else Mm -hmm. um but I think safety is more than just what we might think about um I don't know if you've ever done an onboarding experience especially (laughs) with a with a government organization for example and they're like hazardous chemicals I've done so many of those which I am not normally (laughs) cleaning at a gig ever oh my gosh or um I think that it's also even broader to when you do those things where it's like we are developing a safe space in this theatre. It's a safe space. We promise it's a safe space. And they normally mean in the sense of a safe space emotionally or a safe space mentally. And that's like all well and good. And thank you so much for doing that. And we should continue to do that. But they often don't mean like physically. Mm. <laughs> or it, or it's not even really defined what does that mean. Mm. And when I and think, who is that for? Is it for the audience or do you mean for the performer on stage? Yeah. yeah. And and it's just kind of like saying the right words or totally. some of the words, but they're not really like articulating what that means. Mm-hmm. And they're not articulating what to do if it becomes a space that isn't safe. Or if you're a person who identifies something where you're like, whoa, I've found this thing that isn't safe and I need to tell someone, you know, there's no, it's just like saying we are a safe space. Whereas I actually think it should be we aim to provide a safe space, but yeah. we are open and understanding that this 
the nature of art, you know, you can't predict every situation that's going to happen. Yeah, and you can't predict every impact that you're going to have on artists or audiences at any one time, even with the best intentions in the world mm. where you believe that you've covered all of your bases, there's every chance that what you say could still have a negative impact on somebody or artistically what you say or do, um, which mm. is a great um, kind of the best thing about the arts, but it's such a a big concept mm. that a lot of the time when we come back in and we come back in and we come back in even closer, when we go to the individual artist who is stepping into that space, we kind of go, oh, we've not really considered their experience as the work, as the, honestly, as the worker in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I know that I talked about it earlier being like, we as independent artists don't have like a great big union body that we can mm. go and look to to be like, what are our standards, please, and thank you so much. I'm an independent fringe theatre maker. Mm. <laughs> what are my unionised standards? And they go, what, what? No, we don't have a body that represents you. So you don't have like a big somebody that you can look up to in most situations, which is really interesting. So I did bring a definition with me, which I was I'm just... I'm so excited. I was well, like, you started oh, no. bringing out this folder and I was like, let's... You did homework. <laughs> that is so good. I, I love um, it. I always think uh, if you're feeling scared and like you don't look professional, if you have a clipboard or some sort of folder, people instantly think, oh. That's what I do. I just hide behind the laptop and people go, like, oh, she's doing something. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm doing something. She click, knows click, what click. she's doing. <laughs> she doesn't. She's fumbling with paperwork right now. By that, I mean me. I am fumbling with paperwork. Um, yeah, so it's interesting um, when we talked about doing this podcast I was really starting to think about how I define safety and what that would look like for me and mm -hmm. how ha and became very aware of how much I hadn't considered it until I was on the receiving end of being unsafe mm -hmm. so then that actually caused a lot of problems for me because if you aren't aware of your personal boundaries or for me I wasn't aware of my personal boundaries and um and what would be a line for me in the sand of being unsafe? You know, I hadn't really thought about what do I need to be safe at work? And so there's those obvious things we talk about, like, you know, the stupid onboarding where it's like, don't spill chemicals on the floor. <laughs> um, but more specifically, you know, like things that I need to be safe and where would I be um, needing to step back or stop work? And in other mm. businesses, they talk about stop work. So in construction, for example, you know, there'll mm -hmm. be these certain things and everyone knows if this happens, we stop work. Yeah. And I think it's a real thing within the industry. Um, the show must go on. Completely. I even remember seeing um, years ago a Cirque du Soleil show um, in Australia where there was a fall mm. and there was a pause in the show, um, but it was so brief and so minimal and it was sort of like quick get rid of the inconvenience which is the person who's injured themselves and like quickly get back and like start doing the show again immediately as fast as you possibly mm. can like get rid of the eyesore which is a really bad awful way of like terming the person who's just hurt mm. themselves doing something incredible that I could never dream of doing um to continue on with the show so it's a really interesting concept you bring up it is and I think if we don't think about things including you know like a serious incident on stage or whatever it is I think if we don't think about it beforehand, it's really hard to make good decisions mm. for yourself or for other people if you're the person who's in charge or whatever. It's very hard to make good decisions on the spot. Totally. And I say that knowing that I actually don't have a better answer of what they, oh, what they should yeah, have done yeah. in that Cirque du Soleil show. Mm. I don't know what they should have done in that mm. moment. They probably handled it the best they possibly could. Um, there's, I don't have a right or wrong. Mm. I'm not the compass of what yeah. people can or should do in those situations at all. I have a not, I was going to say, 
I was going to say funny story, but it's actually really terrible. It's not funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) They always are. Funny in terms of absolute and utter ridiculousness. Um, One of my friends used to work in a strip club in Melbourne and um, a dancer died on stage and she was told um, she wasn't best friends with her but had a working relationship, you know, chatty. Mm. Um, And she was told she had to go on stage because um, they didn't want the patron's night to be disrupted. Her co-worker had died. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, where you should be shutting the whole club down and get get out. (laughs) Or even if you really are a very uncaring person and Mm. all you care about is your business, don't you want to check that your staff are okay to continue? I mean, don't you have some obligation that for does welfare seem like the bare minimum, of doesn't people it? to be yeah. like, are you okay to continue to perform? Is this? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I mean, I guess like that also impacts and brings up even something else that like I hadn't quite considered yet in terms of our conversation when thinking about what we we're going to talk about today. The idea that it's like art safety doesn't just impact the person who is unsafe in the moment, but there is an immediate ripple effect for those around mm. like them and those in the audience are impacted because no one in the audience wants to see something go wrong. And, mm. and then it's like just this giant ripple effect of like who it can affect beyond yeah. that, the friends and family of the person who is injured, let alone the cast members of the person who is told to quickly get back out there. Like yeah. it's a lot. And I think um, – I know I'm like deviating so far. No, you're like, not. Let me give you this definition and I'll talk about 500 other things before <laughs> we get there. Uh, it's building suspense. Um, uh, and then I forgot what I was going to talk about. Excellent. Um, I was going to say, um, I think you also in the arts, We I actually didn't bring the research with me for the exact numbers on it, but we know that like mental health is not the best in the arts. We have like mm-hmm. a heart, quite significantly higher rates of um, mental health mm-hmm. difficulties um, like clinically like meeting diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. for like anxiety and depression and things like that um so I think as well like obviously like not everybody can be you know it's not your place to be responsible for everyone else's mental health like you're mm. not a doctor or a psychologist you don't need to be there managing other people's mental health but I do think it's something that often we don't consider if something has happened at work that thing might affect me one way and then you could be affected completely differently and then yes. there's the back the other stuff that I would never know about your previous experiences maybe um if you were an aerialist you'd had a bad fall four years before and I didn't I would have no idea about it but then something mm. happens on the stage and then that is absolutely terrifying for you or brings up stuff for you or you're already struggling with something so I think we're already like a vulnerable population in mm. the arts people have insecure work which we know is a huge deal um, for mental health, having insecure, irregular work. Yeah. Um, and I think when, but on both sides, for the people who are in charge and, and running things, um, I think they should be aware of their own mental health and like what how that might limit their ability mm. to deal with something appropriately. Because I think if you're struggling with your mental health and you're maybe running a show and then something goes wrong, like are you equipped to... Um, deal with it appropriately Mm -hmm. or have the resources. So I think that needs to be a bit of like, let's think about it before it happens rather than just being like, oh, something has happened and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it. And just knowing that you, if you are an arts creator or a producer or a director or whatever, that you aren't going to know everything. So you aren't actually, you are, even though you have like an incredibly talented, amazing group of people in front of you, as I'm sure that you do, there's every chance that you don't know what could be afflicting them or their history and their trauma Mm. and you shouldn't you shouldn't have to Mm. um but it will affect how you react when things go wrong yeah and I think it's like a big part of it is like you were saying with that um 
you know, when you get businesses or, or organizations who are like, we are a safe space, I think it's um, reframing things from being like, I am a safe operator or we are a safe organization to mm. being like, I make space for, and acknowledge the fact that there will be huge swathes of context I will not understand. I'm I might going to miss, fuck up, yeah, totally. And, and that mistakes can happen and that I need to be aware of that because I think mm-hmm. it's such a problem if you think, if I say, for example, I am a safe person and <laughs> yes. I'm just, I'm, and yeah, I'm, that's part of my identity and I yeah. think genuinely I am a safe yeah. person, that then sort of removes, t- gets me off the hook for investigating or being open to the idea that there could be areas I need to work on or mm-hmm. things that I'm going to miss and it kind of closes down that conversation for people to maybe approach me if I was in a position of power people might already feel concerned and we got into this a bit the other day about con- uh, consequences and power mm. dynamics but I think if once you establish yourself in a in concrete terms as being one particular yeah. way or thing you really limit your ability to see alternatives Completely. And you also um, limit your ability to have a reaction to things Mm. as well. Because if you go, I am infallible, I am safe, I am here for you no matter what, then when a scenario approaches you that has something to do with your back life, because shocker, yes, even if you're a producer or a director or an industry or a person creating art, you have a life Mm. that's before this moment here. If you get new information from somebody in your team or you find out something, your ability to actually continue to be that safe person is directly impacted by your past experiences. So just being like, I am infallible at all moments means that you're unable to almost be human. Mm. Yeah, And it puts a huge amount of pressure on, on the person who is saying I am whatever Mm. it is. Yes. You kind of then have to live up to that. And it's no one is, I think that's such a, we were talking about the uh, dichotomy of um, goodies versus baddies and everyone wants to be on the goodie team. (laughs) And it's really such an unhelpful um, pastime to want to finger point and be like, look at that baddie over there because Mm. everyone is the baddie at some point. Yeah. No one is the goodie. Yeah. And nobody sets out being like, I'm going to be an asshole right now and be mm. an absolute villain unless they're betraying some sort of character who's written that way. But most of us aren't actively going out being like, I'm going to fuck over these people and I'm going yeah. to like it. Like, I don't think that, especially in independent arts, mm. I don't think we go out into those spaces and actively think that. Different call for um, what's happening with the writers and actors strikes at the moment in America for people who are literally saying, you know, for the people who are part of that nonsense who are saying things like, oh, let's wait till they lose their houses and then we'll talk about them getting like a better pay or whatever. Like I'm pretty sure that they go out with negative intentions into the world. Mm -hmm. But if I'm talking about local Perth art spaces, Mm. independent producers are not going out in the world thinking that they're about to hurt anybody and they still might. Mm. And that's terrifying for us all. Yeah, 100%. I think most people who are working in the arts have a deep care for sharing very human experiences and human stories Mm -hmm. um, and that they want to bring something good for the world to enjoy. They're not trying to really screw anyone over mm. I did think of like 55 examples though after we spoke about this the other day because I was like no everybody has good intentions no, I, do. I think and then that, I was like, like wait in a an second ice, I think yeah that's why I mentioned like the writer strikes and that is yeah. like yes of course there are there are, examples. There are people who actively yeah. go out there with negative intentions but if you're talking about making small independent mm. arts in western Australia none of us are making enough money to have bad intentions yeah <laughs> no one's laughing all the way to the bank oh, thinking no, no, no. i screwed those guys everyone's yeah. just trying to do their best i think Wah-ha-ha. yeah yeah <laughs> um art safety oh yes uh, back to my <laughs> definition um so 
I was actually speaking to someone, a friend of mine who's a psychologist, and she goes, it's simple. All you need to do is think, if I was in a normal, in inverted commas, uh, <laughs> workplace, would this be an OHS issue? Yeah. And she's like, that includes psychological as well as physical harm. So it, as a simple term, I think that quite... Uh, no, yeah, nicely it encapsulated nicely, yeah. it but I had a much more wordy uh, definition Let's that I go. quite liked Let's go. Um, so this is from WHO um, WHO who uh, collaborating centre for safety promotion and injury prevention and they say safety is a state in which hazards and conditions leading to physical psychological or material harm are controlled in order to preserve the health and well-being of individuals and the community it's an essential resource for everyday life needed by individuals and communities to realise their aspirations. And I know the second bit is a little bit, you know, uh, woo-woo maybe. Some people might feel that that's not such a hard, concrete thing. But I think um, it's important for everyone, performers and our audiences and the wider community, mm. like safety, I really like that second part because to realise your aspirations, you do need to have a safe space in whatever community you're in and space you're in. I think like safety is, it sounds like such a boring topic where people are like, oh, safety, wear goggles or something. Yeah, but it's actually that, so like, much oh, bigger. Oh, HR, oh, OHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's like, it can be rather than just being like a boring thing, it mm. can actually be something that allows people to reach their potential and grow and, and more of a positive thing than just this boring Yeah, it doesn't have to thing. be a burden. I mean, yeah. it can just be something that is a layer of something, but you don't all have to carry it as if it's like this heavy weight. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it is always going to be work. And a lot of people, I think that yeah, kind of... safety in any context is work. If you have, if you're a parent of a child, the child's safety is work, mm -hmm. but it's not work that you go, oh my gosh, every moment of every day, I have to think about little Joseph's <laughs> safety and how so they annoying. need to I have not... to keep him alive Oh all my the time. God, I have to keep this kid alive. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this. I can't wait till they're older. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, but it's something that's built into the fabric of like, of just of existing mm. and it, that happens at work that happens at any institution that you go to in terms of education and that means it has to happen in our workspaces and absolute shocker uh, art spaces are workspaces too mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's such an overlooked or such a we have such an in the arts I find that people's identity and their life and often they're like interpo a lot of their close interpersonal mm. relationships are really like enmeshed together so you're there's often like not a lot of separation between your work and your like passion totally. often they're the same yeah. thing and often lots of people's friends and close connections and the people they spend the most time with are also involved in the arts and and work and it's all kind of like enmeshed together yes. and I think it be can become problematic for a lot of people with boundaries because all of those things are interwoven together and sometimes I think um it's not we don't treat it as a job so we don't put the mm. same boundaries and parameters in and in some ways the arts is kind of, I don't want to say antithetical because that's such like a concrete statement, but it can be a lot of the culture around being in the arts is like push harder, give more. Mm. There's no off time. You should be working indefinite hours to achieve whatever the next thing is. Mm. So I think it can be easy to be become compromised in your well-being because of other people or because of yourself yeah. and that your safety and well-being become, or your mental health becomes compromised because of that kind of murky, intermeshed 
existence with yeah. the arts in your personal life and your we, friends? We brought it up um, semi-recently just in our discussions before we came to mm. do this recording about the idea that because we are apparently viewed by the world or viewed by others to be so lucky to be mm. doing this job and what a privilege it is that you get to work mm. in the arts. Like it, it's almost as if you got out of doing the thing that everybody hates to do, mm. which is work. And because you got to get out of that thing, you must be harder, faster, stronger than everyone else and be able to put up with more shit because at the end of the day you get to do something that is considered to be like a respite, as if it isn't work, as if, as if it didn't, doesn't drain you, as if it isn't a mental toll, a physical toll, a whatever toll that it is on you, an emotional toll for a lot of people um, because it's considered to be something other than the nine to five, the dregs that we all mm. hate. And it's like, okay, so to have work, you must hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a hobby. It's like we're doing a fun hobby. Yes. And, um, yeah. and you should be so grateful because you're not on the, on the you know, treadmill of corporate life or whatever. And yeah. you're just having a jolly old time. Which is an interesting thing considering most people aren't on a corporate life, mm. especially in Western Australia. Like we never had like that idea of like nine to five, you clock in and go into the city, see, and then we all drive back home again. Like like uh, more and more people don't live that lifestyle anyway. Like especially considering we live in a 24-7 world anyway. Most people like they, there are different remote hours. There are lots of different jobs that people take on all the time. And shocker, not everyone hates their job. Like mm. I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you if you're hating your job right now, but not everyone hates their job. And it yeah. doesn't mean that they're doing an artistic pursuit. Just not everyone hates their job. Yeah, and that shouldn't be that the cost is then that yes. you're compromised. Yeah, because you don't absolutely hate what you do for a living, you should be compromised in other ways. Oh, it looks fun. You're, yeah. you, you trade off, you know, you look happy. fun <laughs> for then being really compromised in your safety Completely. and stuff. And I think that that um, gratitude thing is, it plays into how I was thinking about the barriers to um, asserting your boundaries around safety. Mm. And I think... The uh, instability of work, so the fact that you're not on a con, you, there's no HR department yeah. and you're not on a contract, you're just gig by gig or, or whatever it is. Um, and that kind of gratitude that you should be so grateful that you're in the arts, which I have been immensely grateful for the career that I've had and I've been so lucky. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I don't think I should then have to be compromised and be made to be unsafe. And I think that's prob part of the problematic um, kind of unspoken uh, rules can sometimes be like, well, you shouldn't, you should just kind of go with the flow and mm. suck it up because you're so lucky that you have this position. And if you aren't grateful, there will be another person, you're very disposable, and there will be another person who will accept these working conditions. Yes. If yeah. you don't. So yeah. you're very disimpacted. And, and I know people really hate it when you like talk about. I especially found this work in the adult entertainment industry because it is a stigmatized industry. Um, people within the industry were like quite um, reticent to discuss in any way the negatives about yeah. it. So I do find people are sometimes a bit like, and obviously not, no one likes discussing things that are like unpleasant or have a sort of negative. Uh, or are considered to be taboo, even if they're not. Yeah. We don't even, like, we have only recently got to a place where we're okay talking about what's in our paycheck. Like, oh, that used to be like, oh, don't tell people what you make. Mm. That's secret. And like, it's all of these. Controversial. <laughs> controversial to tell people how much money you make. It's like, yeah. yes, that's how I stay alive. So I have to talk about it with somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, that can kind of be a barrier for people feeling comfortable to sort of like talk about it mm. because you feel like, yeah, you need to be grateful and you need to be – and I, 
I, I do think it is a thing about being compliant as well. Yeah. Be, you know, you need to kind of be the liquid and you can pour yourself into whatever receptacle is appropriate <laughs> for that context, which can be a real asset if you can be adaptable. But at the same time, if you, like for me, I hadn't clearly I thought about my boundaries. And so across my career, when after we had our chat, I was kind of thinking back, reflecting backwards across different contexts that I've worked in and um that became really clear to me that because I hadn't considered my boundaries, I was often really wanting to do what was asked of me mm. rather than thinking, hang on, is this safe for me? Am totally. I? And that's relatable in so many workplaces, not just mm. in, in the arts. The idea of like the most adaptable, imaginative and like twisty, mm. bendy person um, in a literal and figurative sense when we come into the arts especially it's just like this great asset and it's almost written on every single job description you see even if it's for an admin person or if it's for like a, a fantastic or a minor or a teacher or whatever adaptable it's like such a a strange word that we continue to use just for something that really just means can I manipulate you mm. can I get you to do something that you're not comfortable with yeah yeah um, I think there we're going to go cut to a quick break so we can have a drink because I want another drink of water. Um, and then when we come back, let's dive into like thoughts, opinions around solutions, but we don't have to answer any questions. Okay. We're back. Uh, before we went to break, we started to just break down the idea of what is safety when it comes to the arts, uh, which is a very big question as it turns out. Like it's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than we originally thought that would be. Uh, I would like to preface this next bit before we go into it because I would love to talk about like some solution-based stuff. Um, I just want to preface it with um, everything that we say in this conversation is just based on personal experience and our personal experience being that I'm only one person and you're only one person, it will be yep. incredibly limited because it's only through our mm -hmm. current lens. Um, and although I think that we have a great benefit that we can speak to, especially speak to like artists who are maybe just be starting out or in a sticky situation themselves and asserting themselves in a situation might seem really scary. And we do mm -hmm. have a bit of power there because we've gone, we're not on the other side of it, but we're past the first icky hurdle in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, that doesn't mean that what we're going to say is right for all. Mm -hmm. It's yep. just what we've tried and honestly what we might have failed at. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I think I hope for more than anything is that this can spark more conversations and that yep. whatever we go through and talk about here can just be a catalyst for other people in their own artistic spaces, whether that be um, in their art studio alone by themselves to think about like what their boundaries are or what they need to do to keep themselves safe. Um, or it can be in big productions as well. Like however that affects them, I would just love more art safety chats mm. to happen because I feel like in independent arts, we don't want to have those conversations because we're worried about how it may reflect on our reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Having said all of that, with my <laughs> long ass preamble, <laughs> let's dive right in. How do you think we can approach situations that we feel unsafe in? What can we do? I think, um, yeah, like you said, it is it is so individual. I think something that can be really important to do with um, how enmeshed um you can feel like your whole life is with the industry. Something mm. that I really drew on um, with my past experiences was um, having someone, having a support 
person or persons mm. um, who are not in the industry. Because what ah, I found okay. was that it was super isolating. Um, I felt really alone, like there was no one I could talk to and no mm. one who understood because if I had discussed it, I would be, you know, drawing controversy. I would be drawing controversy or I would be making people feel compromised that there was something that they had to pick a side on or I, I just didn't feel like there's anyone I could talk to. So mm-hmm. I think if you're experiencing some kind of lack of safety or even if... I think for me, I didn't even realize at first it was a lack of safety. I just had this horrible feeling in my stomach. I knew Mm. I was uncomfortable and I knew it was because I wasn't safe. Um, But I didn't really clearly be like, this is a safety issue. Um, I was just like, oh, what's happening? And I couldn't really make sense of it. So I think having someone who you can confide in and who is a safe person for you that is outside of the industry can be really helpful for Mm -hmm. you to get a different perspective as well. Obviously, they might not completely understand it. One of my friends was like, go to HR. And I was like, dude, there is no HR. (laughs) They have a muggle job, so they they don't get it. Um, But it was helpful because he, he was like, of course, this is like a major violation of health Mm. and safety. So that kind of made me feel like, oh, okay, I feel a little bit validated and like help me unpack it a little bit. Um, And I just think trusting yourself, if you feel something is off, sometimes even if you don't have the right word, something is off. I also think it's really important um, to understand, unfortunately, often there are consequences and I don't want to say this in a way that people should interpret it as, oh, you should just say nothing and be silent. Mm. But unfortunately, in our industry, people who complain about things sometimes find themselves less employable. Yes. (laughs) Um, Um, So that is something to consider. Yeah. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that you need to consider because that can have serious ramifications but it's impo- for it's your it's said because finances and everything. Yeah, completely. And it's also important that it's said because when often when we get into these situations, and I think um, we find initially when we're going through something in a situation where we feel unsafe, mm. we're going, "Oh my gosh, no one has ever been unsafe before. Mm. I'm the only one to go through this. Oh my gosh, what's happening? How can this possibly be happening to me? Mm. I feel sick. What do I do?" Um, the reality is that there might have been like five or six people before you who just felt that they couldn't report it. And that's not a slight on them mm. at all. It's more a slight on the system because they weren't, they were unable to report. First of all, report to who? Like yeah. you said with the HR comment, report to whom? Yeah. <laughs> who am I supposed to talk to? The person who's actually doing the injustice directly mm. to me? Um, in any other situation that would be seen as like like really, really horrible. It's like going up to the school playground and being like, well, you're the person who directly bullied me and gave me a wedgie and I'd like to talk to you about <laughs> it exactly <laughs> in this moment. I think that like that's a really good idea. It's like that is not a good idea. Yeah. You need to get an outside perspective. Um, and, yeah, I think it's important not to not to – for want of a better one, not to just shit on yourself because you feel like I'm not going to report this. It's better mm. if I just breathe in and not work for that person again and I move on so that I can just be okay and mm. understand that there are probably others who've thought very similarly to you. But if you do want to take that next step um, for your benefit and for the benefit of those who come after you, mm. what's next? Yeah, I think um, it's the same in a lot of spaces where people might be reporting something, you know, if you think about um, sexual assault and things like that totally. sometimes you get this idea people are like well you should just speak up and I think 
if you're someone who is hearing someone else, if you're if you're in the arts and you're mm. uh, someone you're working with is saying they've had a bad experience, please don't say to them. You should just. <laughs> you <laughs> should never just. Yeah, it's, let's never. Let's just uh, delete that one <laughs> out of our brains. Yeah. One, yeah. Um, and don't assume that they should have just reported it because yeah. there are so many factors. Even if it, even if you're in a place where you have a appropriate pathway to report it, and you're um, you're not going to lose your job and stuff. I think mm. um, experiencing harm in whatever form we talk about is so individual, and the way that you process it and the way that you need to deal with it is so individual to that person mm-hmm. and maybe they're not ready to um even talk about it yet like it took me so long to unpack what happened to me I was mm. so confused I felt so untethered and lost at sea and I actually couldn't even articulate it to people and some of the times when I did try to explain what was happening um I almost they were almost confused because they were like well I don't really know I don't understand I don't yeah. really understand and it's taken me quite a long time to unpack it and I've been really fortunate um that I have had some people kind of hold my hand through that and help yeah. me um, unpack it. And for me, obviously, it's I have to acknowledge that it's a massive privilege that for me, in my situation, I could actually uh, afford to leave. And yeah, that is not huge. That's not um, something that everyone has. Like mm-hmm. for some people, it, it not just in the arts and lots of different jobs, they're working a job where they are unsafe mm. for whatever reason, psychologically or physically, and they actually don't have the ability to leave yeah. because it's they've got bills to pay they need to stay for yeah. financial reasons or whatever it is that that there aren't options available to them um but i think um obviously as well you know there's ram- in the arts it's different because there's not you're not just like working as a whatever it consultant you're like cool i'll go <laughs> two doors down and there's another it consulting role yeah, completely. It's, it's 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 gig work and it's seasonal and there's a rush and then there's nothing and, and built on relationships as well and so if yeah. you feel like if you burn in inverted commas mm-hmm. one bridge then what does that do to your reputation um but I think part of that thinking about what your boundaries are and what you need for your performance style or your gig or your work to be safe um can be helpful for thinking about for a having the conversations before because I think people are more receptive hopefully more receptive to hearing your boundaries before something happened than they are to if something happened because mm-hmm. they can still think you're being fussy or whatever. Unfortunately, some people just aren't open to hearing it. But I think it's much – people feel confronted when you – if you approach them and say, hey, I was made unsafe because the implication is that they have failed. Yeah. Um, whereas if you can kind of assert it beforehand, then ideally you can hopefully mitigate that. But I would also say – I really dislike, I mean, I think it's important, but also I really dislike when it sounds like I'm saying um, people who have been victimised, um, you just need to prepare better and then you won't be a victim. That is not what I'm saying at <laughs> all. I not get that at all. And I hate that when people are like, well, if ladies would just stop wearing high heels yes. and miniskirts, oh we would God. just erase sexual yeah, assault. I think that that's like more than anything what's come up in my brain throughout this conversation is the intersections mm. and the intersections that it has with sexual assault, the intersections mm. that it has with mental health, the intersections it has with domestic violence and, yeah. and honestly with un- unsafe workplaces across the board, not just in the arts. There are so many different intersections Mm. here um and when you were saying the idea of like you should just sort of Mm. sentence it's also the idea of like i would have just and it's like no you wouldn't shut up like (laughs) yeah can we just like negate those things right now i think that what's great about this conversation it's like we said it's a starter conversation Mm. um it's not a perfect conversation um and it's a limited experience yeah so everything you're saying is is valid because it's your experience only Mm. and that's kind of what's so awesome about it 
<laughs> Hopefully it's a little bit useful. I think, I think so. That's um, what, all of these intersections that are coming up consistently mm-hmm. as we talk about them, we go, oh my gosh, and this place and this place and this thing and that thing is what makes it so incredibly relatable, even though it's through one lens. Yeah. And I think, I think in a lot of conversations that are happening, um, you know, sometimes, and I, I spoke to you about this a little bit in my email about um, the point of call out culture. And mm. I know that sometimes that is the only option that's available, yes. that that has to happen to remedy some kind mm. of harm that cannot be undone or can't be stopped or, without or, or it. most of the time has happened more than once. Yeah, yeah. And, and it needs to be, yeah. it needs to be aired. Um, but I guess for me, I in my situation, I know people might be listening a bit confused about why, why I'm anonymous and what is happening. <laughs> um, the, the reason is because I... In my situation, I decided that it wasn't helpful to out the persons involved in me being unsafe and that I wanted to foster, like you said, an, a, a beginning of a conversation and that could look at more than just um, finger pointing and being like, this person did a bad thing. Yes. And to look at the bigger structures and yes. what we can do, all everyone, because I think you know, safety is something we need to think about for us, but we mm. also need to think about for other people. And Completely. if you're a person who is seeing someone else in an unsafe situation, you know, that we're all thinking about a little bit more, thinking about, especially if we're in a position of power, and that isn't necessarily just that you're in um, a production role or you're um, the owner of a company. You know, everyone has different layers of power and acknowledging what your, where your um, privilege and power is and how that might impact on other people, but also like if you have the ability to help in a way, if someone is asking for your help, um, I know that that's not always appropriate um, if you yourself may may then be harmed, but thinking about um, I've in the past um, have witnessed some things that have been unsafe and I haven't always had the understanding or knowledge to act appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now it's much more on my mind of like, what would I do or say if I saw something happen? How could I um, be useful in that situation? Yeah. Or like, um, how can I be a person? And I think it's especially, I'm not in production, but I think it's especially important if someone is in a position of power running a show or an, a venue or whatever, thinking about how can you make yourself open that people feel like they can come to you and it's okay to express if they feel unsafe or yeah. that they need help with something. Um, recently, or not recently, I say recently and it could be like five years ago, the other day. 1974, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. 1974. (laughs) I was wearing disco pants and I was uh, on a a production um, and because of some of the bad experiences I'd had, it was really like front and centre of my mind about um, what I will accept at work and what I won't accept Mm. at work, which is the blessing of this um, whole really unpleasant experience I've had. Um, is that now, um, although I've no longer working, mostly not working in the industry, um, that I have really been thinking about it and watching what's happening around me and thinking like, is how can I make safe, safer spaces mm. or, you know, what's going on? Is it okay? Are people okay? And um, yeah, I had the benefit of the horrible experience which allowed me to um, stand up for someone in an experience that was actually really horrible even to watch as a uh, bystander yeah um and I had to sort of 
it's, it is awkward though. I think you, there's no, you don't want to interject in people's lives and be like, I'm coming in to save the day. Um, <laughs> yes, but yeah. I, I think we can all do something, even if that's just thinking about safety or if it's, you know, needing to stand in. And I was the oldest person in the room and I was like, damn it. Well, it was in 1974, yeah, of course. Was, it was. <laughs> and I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to be the grown up here and go and, you know, yeah. stand in and say something. Um, but I think there is no ideal perfect solution that we can say to people you should just x y and z (laughs) completely and I think on that note as like a beginning to what I hope will be many many more conversations I actually want to put it to our audience if this is something that you would like to continue talking about you've had a certain experience that you want to share or don't want to share you can come on this podcast anonymously there is no immediate pressure. Um, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I record in advance and give my um, artists, performers, educators, etc., the people who are on this show, a chance to listen back to their work and they can tell me to throw it in the bin and it's happened before and I hold nothing to that person. I'm not here to uh, just sort of turn around and be like, gotcha, journalism, and now it's on the air and ha-ha. Like there's, there's a lot of space here and I would love to have more arts safety conversations with people. So if you have any thoughts, feelings, opinions, please reach out at waexposepod at gmail.com. We're also um, xwa underscore, I think, expose with a big X on Instagram. Um, So if you want to have more of these conversations or if you have any thoughts, uh, let us know. Um, I can keep in contact with Anonymous and we can continue to have what I think is a very fruitful conversation about arts and art safety and let's try and figure out what our collective boundaries are and also what our individual ones are, Um, which is, of course, I'm saying all this to wrap it up. I normally would ask you to plug yourself, but I don't want you to. Don't do it. (laughs) 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 But if you have any sign-off words for our lovely listeners. I think um, my sign-off would be that I hope we can all foster more compassion, Mm. especially self-compassion. Compassion for others, self-compassion, and just um, thinking about how we can have more conversations to make it more safe conversations, that we can make it a little bit incrementally better for everybody. Perfect. Thank you very much for listening, (laughs) everyone. WA Exposé is an independent production. Our artwork was created by George Sassenfeld, and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose.